It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the Reds Edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor. Pleased to be joined again on the podcast by uh, Chad Dotson from Red, Red Lake Nation, the Cincinnati Magazine, and, and many other places. And, of course, the author of, uh, of, of a wonderful book, Top 50 Moments in, in Reds History, that uh, I, I keep perusing from time to time. Even though I've read it through like twice, I, I find little moments from here and there to, to, to pick out. And uh, it's certainly an easy read and a fun read, and I, I invite you to, to go pick that up. Uh, and, and and get yourself some some reds some reds knowledge if you will, um, Chad. Uh, it just it seems like very short time ago the Reds were sitting at forty three and fifty two, the day before the All Star break. Uh, felt like things were on the uptick. Things were going well. The offense was clicking, starting to get a little bit of the pitching coming around. About five or six weeks later, things don't look as good. The trade deadline came and is coming and going, and and not much movement. I was really feeling good at 43 and 52, the direction of this team. I'm not feeling as good six weeks later. Am I wrong? Well, you're not wrong. I think there are reasons for concern, many of which are uh, embedded in the fact that the, this front office, for some reason, is making some baffling decisions mm-hmm. lately. But but on the other side of it is there have been some injuries, a lot of injuries that have really caused this team's performance to, to drop. So there are some reasons why they're not playing as well on the field right now that uh, – that you can point to, but also uh, they're, they're, you're right. They're, they're reason for concern. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the, the Scott Shebler injury, the Jesse Winker injury, now Joey Votto's injury. I mean, you're talking about uh, arguably your three best on base percentage guys outside of Eugenio Suarez for the most part, but three guys that were really part of, part of the offense. Votto is back for Thursday afternoon's game against Milwaukee. So that's, that's back. Shebler recently got back. So we'll see if this offense can click. Um, and, and that's the part I think you and I have talked about. The, the offense doesn't worry me. The pitching worries me, and the front office worries me. And maybe above the front office, Bob Castellini worries me. And I, I thought there was a great piece by, by your cohort, Steve Mancuso at Red Lake Nation, um, uh, kind of about that culture. And, and you have to wonder how much does Bob Castellini meddle in some of these moves? And if he is still doing that, why is he doing that, not letting the baseball people do what their baseball people should do? That's what's most frustrating to me is that – it seems like every week that passes, we get more and more evidence that Bob Castellini is uh, is meddling in in baseball operations, and it really concerns me because the decisions that are being made are are just. Uh, well, I used the word baffling earlier. That's, That's really fair. what it is. I, I think Dick Williams, the the president of baseball operations, and I think Nick Crawl, the general manager, these are smart guys, and I yep. actually do have a lot of faith in their ability to distinguish what needs to be done, and they've made some some smart moves. Uh, no doubt. From signing uh, Eugenio Suarez to the long-term deal before the season at a great uh, price, and to picking up a guy like mm-hmm. Kirk Casale to be the backup catcher has been amazing. I mean, these guys, they know what to do. They're, they're not dumb, and they knew that Matt Harvey had to be traded, but Bob Castellini stepped in. And so I think this team could be on the verge of being good as soon as next year. I do, but too. it's going to require the front office to do the right things, and, and – I would be more comfortable with this front office doing the right things if Bob Castellini weren't sticking his nose uh, in there, as he has the right to do, but I really wish he wouldn't. Uh, no, I, I think that that's, that's more than fair um, because the, the Matt Harvey one is, is one that is quite baffling. I, so, so now what do you do with Matt Harvey? Do you attempt to re-sign him? And if you do, it's not going to be for two years and you know maybe three years minimum. It's going to cost you a decent amount of money, probably not break the bank money. Or if you let him walk, then you really did blow this completely by not at least getting something in return for him. And that, I guess that's, that's 
moves like that are what do baffle you. The, the, the decision to continue to hold tight to Billy Hamilton to some degree baffles you. Um, yeah. I would ask you about Matt Harvey. What what do they do with him now at the end of this season? <laughs> they should have let him go for free to the Brewers, as far as I'm concerned, when the Brewers put in a waiver claim on him. I, mean, I like Matt Harvey, and he has been, uh, you know, okay. okay. If you look at his okay. numbers okay. coming to the okay. Reds, he's actually been a below league average pitcher. His numbers are below average. So it's not like he's been great. He just looks great compared to the other uh, <laughs> nonsense Brewers. the Reds are running yes. out to the mound. So uh, – I don't see any reason why the Reds should spend much money at all trying to re-sign Matt Harvey. The Reds do need to go get pitching this offseason. It is by far the most important thing they need to do this winter. But they need to get good pitching. And any money spent on a guy like Matt Harvey, who's going to be 30 years old next year, who has had shoulder surgery, who has had elbow surgery, and who was designated for assignment by another major league team just three months ago, any money you spend on him is money you can't spend towards a, an actual starter. That's a good Correct. bet to help the next the Reds for the next few years. I just I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever. But the owner likes him. I'm told. Yeah, no, he does, and that's <laughs> that's the frustrating part. And and it, it look if Matt Harvey had come over here and let's just say he had gone seven and one with a one thirty two ERA, you can you can make a compelling case. Okay, sure. But but that's not been the case. You're right. He's been probably their best starting pitcher, and that's. That's not saying a ton, but it's not worth re-signing him at that, at that stage of the game. It, it, it's it's silly. Um, He's been adequate, I, yeah. but yes, there are so many warning signs why you don't sign a guy that's about to turn 30 that's had all the arm troubles and, and all the recent uh, lack of success. But it's just it's not a good bet for a team like the Reds that really needs to make the most of their dollars. No, no doubt, no doubt. So what what have we found out about the, the young starting pitchers, the Castillos, the Romanos? Um, the Tyler Malley's, um, even Di Sclafani, I think, is proven he's a solid major league rotation guy, bottom of the rotation guy for sure, but, but certainly in that mix. What have we found out about those young guys, uh, either good or bad, and are, is the jury really still out on all of them? Well, the jury's out maybe on some, but we've learned a lot this year about this group of starting pitchers, that, uh, and most of it is not great. I, no. My opinion is we've learned that Luis Castillo, I mean, he's up and down still, and he's not taking a step forward like we hope, but he has shown he's a guy that you can go ahead and pencil him into the rotation next year. De Sclafani, you can pencil him into the rotation if he's healthy, but don't ever right. count on him being healthy because he's just not been able to. But when he's healthy, this guy can pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tyler Malley has shown. I know he's in the AAA now. He'll be back up with the Reds, I would expect. Um, soon, yeah, very soon. When yeah, rosters September expand yeah. on September first, uh, I think that he's shown enough that you can uh, sort of pencil him in uh, at least as the number five guy next year. And then I think he, I think he projects to be a middle of the rotation guy going forward. He's still he's the youngest of the group. The rest of these guys, we've not learned a lot. Uh, Robert Stevenson, I'm, you know, I, I think we've learned enough to know. Let's not count on him. I look I, forward it, to it, seeing it, how yeah, Cody it, Reed. Pitches yeah, in his start this week. That. Yeah, Cody, Cody um, He's a guy that has not really gotten a chance on the major league level as a starter, and um, it looks like he may have started to turn it around in AAA. He still has a live arm. Uh, Sal Romano, I don't know that we learned anything good about him. I think he's probably best suited for the bullpen, as it looks. Uh, the other young guy that was in that mix was Brandon Finnegan, and he's completely uh, blown up. Bombed, so, yeah. I think when it comes to – Castillo and Malley and Di Sclafani, I think those are three solid pieces going forward, but that means the Reds have to go out and get at least two uh, sort of above-average pitchers and hopefully at least one uh, you know, number one or number two guy. 
Yeah, there, there's no question about it. Um, a couple of bullpen guys that have been starters, um, I would ask you about them moving forward. Is it worth trying Michael Lorenzen back in a starting role, or is he more effective where he is? And the same for Amir Garrett, who got got off to a great start, kind of faded away. He's on the disabled list at the, at the moment. Um, both guys had projected at one point as starters. Do you think it's worth giving them another look in that area, or, or do you leave them in that comfort zone and, and realize, hey, we're just going to keep with a solid bullpen? Well, Amir Garrett, first of all, I was pretty uh, – I wasn't upset, but I was – found it difficult to understand why they had him in the bullpen to start this year. And uh, we learned since that Amir Garrett wants to be in the bullpen. He, uh, uh, it was his request, number one. And I've heard from a lot of people within the organization that sort of the baseball people feel like that's his best bet going forward mm-hmm. with the, the, the pitches that he has. That he could be a dominant shutdown type reliever, and they're just not sure. I don't see why you wouldn't try him, though, because if he's, if he's not a good starter, if you try him and it doesn't work out, you can still put him back in the bullpen. Um, and the, uh, the other guy, Michael Lorenzen, he should be starting, yes, but I think he should be starting in center field. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I think I can hit. He uh, can hit, I would tell you that. I wish they could find a way to be more creative with him, uh, whether that's as a starter, because I do think he could still be a starter. But if you started him uh, on the, as a pitcher, then you've got it four days of him as, a, as at a least pinch a pinch hitter. hitter and no I, doubt. I, maybe, really, a backup center fielder. I don't think – that's what he did it in college. He was a first-round level talent as a center fielder at uh, Cal State Fullerton. I, I still believe he could uh, could do that. I, I, my, I, I, at least I think the Reds, a team that is a sort of a small market team, they need to be thinking outside the box. And I don't know why they wouldn't try something like that with a talent like him. He's the highest OPS guy on the team. That's for sure. There's, there's, yeah. there's no question. Um, position player wise, I know you and I have disagreed on, on Scooter Jeanette. Um, I, I still put him in my core moving forward. I understand those that that don't, but but obviously um, w- with what's coming, um, what what do they do this offseason? Your opinion with Scooter Jeanette? What should they do with Scooter Jeanette? Move him positionally or move him entirely? I think that I would. I, well, it all depends. First of all, what you you think about Nick Senzel? Where's he going to play? Right next year, or does he, he was just position? named the best defensive second baseman right. Right. Um, in the double A in double A by Baseball America, and despite um, playing what forty games, so I mean that tells you a lot. Yes, it does, and we already know he can hit. So he's he's maybe not an upgrade right now over Scooter with the bat because Scooter can hit. Um, he's a clear upgrade defensively. I, I still wonder if you can get Scooter's shoulder healthy. If he can't play outfield, right, uh, or be a, sort of a, a super a utility guy, uh, which he could still be a starter, he could still get six starts a week, but start him at second base. Uh, you know, let him be the backup at first base. Let him play the corner outfield spots. Move him around like the Cubs do with Ben Zobrist, who still I, uh, plays as much as anyone, but you're not committed to giving him a position. I would prefer to do that, and I don't have a problem if the Reds keep Scooter around if it's the right price. But uh, I wouldn't go signing him to a five-year contract or anything. Yeah, you know, no, correct. Two or three years. Two or three years, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, no, I, it, you know, I wrote a piece uh, maybe six weeks ago, maybe even two months ago, along those lines, and I used Senzel as an example, either him or Jeanette or both. I, I like what the Cubs do with, with cross-training guys at positions because it allows you to, to keep guys fresh, to keep guys sharp, I think. Um, and, and, you know, we, we always pencil guys in, and when you look at it at an everyday eight, you think those guys are all going to get 650 plate appearances, but it doesn't work out that way. So somebody may get 600 plate appearances playing two or three different positions. I, I don't see why you can't do that or at least give that a try with either Jeanette or Senzel. 
I think you're probably right. If a guy is as good defensively as Senzel is, that sounds like second base is his spot. But for Jeanette, why can't he play left field? Why can't he play right field? Why can't he occasionally give Joey Votto, who will be 35 years old next year, a day off? Yeah. Uh, maybe even against a right-hander where you say, listen, we want to keep a left-handed bat in. We're going to give Joey a day off. Scooter's a left-handed bat we're going to keep in, and we'll play him at first base. I, I don't see why you can't do that. Well, absolutely. I don't see why you can't either. And Or Senzel, too, you know, I mean, uh, Senzel can play different positions. He's he may end up being the best athlete other than Billy Hamilton on the team, according to what I, everyone says. So he can play outfield. He can play different spots. Jose Peraza has played outfield. He's played second base. I think you got a lot of pieces you can mix and match, and still get a bunch of people a lot of at bats and uh, and have a pretty good lineup. Uh, you know, it's better to have eight, uh, nine good position players than to have eight. You can correct. You can get played correct. appearances for them. No doubt. Yeah, you, you you will find a way to get played appearances for them. There's no there's no doubt about that. This offseason, what does this team do with Billy Hamilton? Oh, you know, Billy is my favorite player, and I, so I have to qualify everything I say with that. Yeah, but you're logical. He's just though. a unique guy, and I yeah. don't know that I've ever seen anyone quite like him, but he can't hit. It just is what it is at this point. Uh, he can help a team. I would like to see, if, depending on how affordable he is in arbitration, I'd like to see the Reds keep him, but let him be uh, the fourth outfielder and, uh, uh, you know, Super sub, late inning defensive replacement, and pinch runner type. He may be too expensive for that. The problem, again, goes back to the ownership. And Bob Castellini feels like I do. He loves Billy. Right. I get it. Billy's a, yeah, he's a great kid, and he plays hard, and he's fun to watch. Uh, but I don't hold the purse strings. And uh, I'm afraid Castellini is going to uh, be working on some kind of an extension with Billy is what I worry about. They probably need to part ways, and if they can part ways and get something in return, fine. If not, he can still help a team. Um, you know, he's, he's, not, you know, he's not a player that is going to kill you. He's going to kill you with a bat, so you bat him ninth. But if you got him batting ninth, his defense, his base running, or if you have him coming in, you know, starting only three or four days a week, and then he's a pinch runner and defensive uh, replacement the other days, I think you can craft a spot for him on a good team. And so – but it's all going to depend on what uh, the front office is allowed to do with him, I guess is, is the way to put it. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, no, if this lineup puts the pieces together um, that we think they can, with Sinzel added to this lineup, guys getting back healthy, you can carry Billy Hamilton on occasion back in ninth. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with that. I do think it's an expensive proposition, perhaps, because based on what he's going to make through arbitration or whatever you sign him for. But, um, no, and I, 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 I've always thought he's a perfect – He's a perfect fourth outfielder. You don't ask him to get on base because he can't. You put him on base in place of somebody who's already on base and say, steal me a run, and then go save me a run and then help us win the game at the end of it. I, I, I wish more teams would think in those terms as opposed to this guy's a nine-inning player. No, he can be a three-inning player and, and help you win a game in those three innings. Yes, he can still be valuable because he has these unique skills that, uh, that uh, help the roster in ways that no other team has. So I agree. I think you can find a way to keep him there if the money's right. I think he can really help a good team, and uh, and I, I'd love to see him stick around just because I like watching him when he's on base. He's just uh, he's fun to watch. No question. Uh, lastly, for you, um, Joey Votto went on the DL, um, not you know, not to his own doing. Got got hit by a pitch, and, and probably the right thing to do. But even before that, uh, the power numbers started to wane a little bit this season. Still getting on base and at a ridiculously high average, um, high percentage. Uh, I think it was 422 going into Thursday's game is, is on base percentage, and that's not going to change. It's going to be 35 next year. Um, the, the power numbers suggest he's starting to hit that stage that a lot of guys do when they age. The power goes down a little bit. 
he still has great value, but is he a middle of the lineup value, or is he maybe a, a first or second guy in the lineup value eventually? It really depends on whether the power outage that we've seen from him this year is something that's real. And as you say, when you age, that happens. But he has fallen off so dramatically. I actually have a piece up at Cincinnati Magazine uh, just, I think, published yesterday about that power, uh, why he's not hitting with power this year. And what's strange is, you know, it, it, my eyes gloss over when you look at some of these advanced metrics sometimes too, but I got to looking at his numbers and his all of his numbers uh, in terms of the types of pitches he's swinging at, how hard he's hitting pitches, the number of pitches he's swinging outside of the zone, his exit velocity is higher than last year. Right. His launch angle is the same. Everything's the same. The ball has just not, for some reason, not gone over the fence this year. So there's a chance that it's maybe a little bit of a fluke. I think more likely it's age. He's not hitting the ball as far, even though he's hitting it hard. Yeah, I, Combined I, I, with, he's had, he had some back trouble earlier in the year. Yes. Some of that's sort of combining to reduce his, uh, his power numbers. I just don't see him dropping off as much as he has year to year. He hit 30, what, 35 or 36 home runs last year. But going forward, you have to expect every year that's going to happen. So I think that, yes, you're right. What's going to happen is he's going to be a number two hitter uh, at some point, and he can be a very valuable number two hitter. Uh-huh. He's going to keep getting on base. That's what they call an old person skill. Uh, he'll keep that. And so he can still help the team even if he's not the Joey Votto we've come to know and love. Yeah, no, I mean, if, if Nick Senzel pans out and he hit leadoff in, in Louisville, I don't know if that's where he eventually hits in the big leagues, but you've got a chance to have some high on-base percentage guys with the middle of the lineup of potentially a Jeanette, a Suarez, um, you know, depending, again, where Senzel hits a Senzel, and then a, you know, a Shebler hitting sixth or seventh. That's a, that's a pretty good group to drive in runs with people ahead of them on base as opposed to the days when Billy Hamilton was, on, was hitting leadoff and getting on base at a two ninety eight clip. You're absolutely right. You add Nick Senzel to this group, and it's an offense that's as good as any offense in the league. No question. We we hammer the the Reds a little bit for this rebuild sometimes, but you have to concede that they have really reshaped the uh, the offensive side of the ledger with a bunch of guys that get on base. When you talk Winker, about Senzel, I, I, you talk about yes. Votto, you talk about Suarez, you talk about Jesse Winker who gets yeah, on Winker. base. Yep. It's a it's a group of players. Even Jose Peraza this year has an above average on base percentage, if you can believe it. So uh, he's had a great year as a young kid. So they need, the front office needs to get credit for that. And um, and and you're right. You're talking about an offense that looks like it could be really really good. Just gotta get that pitching straightened out. Yeah, I, and as I say, to sum this up, Chad. I, I, you know, I think the one thing we did find out this year, this offense, when it was healthy, is capable of scoring runs. You're going yeah. to add another piece to that mix in Senzel next year. We've seen Philip Irvin even even do some good things yeah. now as a, as a backup guy this season. And really, I guess the, the good part is you're not having to replace a bunch of guys positionally. It really is focusing on the on on not just even the pitching, focusing on the starting pitching. Your bullpen has been pretty darn good. You don't have to make a whole lot of moves. Maybe two key offseason moves to add starting pitching. And you do have a chance to do some good things in 2019. And that's where I'm optimistic. I think that's absolutely the case. If you add two good starting pitchers to this team, they are immediately, immediately a playoff contender next year. And, you know, that's doable. It's going to take some work to get it done. But that's, that's not out of the realm of possibilities. So that's, that's exciting to me just as a fan. No doubt. No doubt. Well, Chad Dotson, appreciate the time as always. We can catch your work at Red Lake Nation at Cincinnati Magazine as well. And uh, certainly always appreciate it and enjoy it. Thanks so much. Always fun. Thank you, Rich. Good deal. Chad Dotson from Red Leg Nation. This has been the Skinny Podcast for Red Edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.